0: Welcome to the Powerlifting and Power Ballads Podcast, where we bring you a weekly dose of powerlifting news, tips, and training advice with a touch of 80s rock
1: ballads. This podcast is presented by Team Roar Powerlifting, your source of the most comprehensive coaching and meet day preparation. Here are your hosts, Josh Roar and Laura Sturm. All right, I'd like to welcome my co-host, Josh Roar, the man that has acted as a meme before in a marketing um, effort. But he wouldn't break character at all, so he couldn't really talk about powerlifting.
0: That that was a that was an epic failure. I spent a couple thousand dollars to be in this uh, event to promote the business, and yeah, dressed as a meme or dressed as a mime.
1: Mime, a mime. Did I say meme?
0: Yeah, and mime. people people kept asking me questions, and I wouldn't answer them because I had to stay in character. <laughs> no, <laughs> in, in hindsight, not the best idea. Anyway, well, welcome to you, Laura Sturm, uh, a.k.a. blue streaks in your hair at all times. Or I think they're blue, right? Well, none. That's, that's I've right got none now. now. Oh, well, then they're this all doesn't out. apply. <laughs> Do
1: you better, Josh.
0: Do better. Do better. All right. Well,
1: I think we should kind of introduce, you know, the man that's got the murky voice in the background here.
0: Yeah, the creeper in the background.
1: So we have a guest today, the man with the knowledge bombs.
0: Uncle, Uncle Jeremy Hartman from Hartman Performance Training. Uh, welcome Mr. Hartman.
2: Great, right, thanks for having me, Josh and Lara. it's good to see you guys again.' been too long, and I miss you guys.
0: All right, so before we get into you, we were going to put you on hold. We just wanted you to say hi. Lara's going to give us the track of the week, and then it's going to be Jeremy Hartman time.
1: all right we're going to flip the order just because we want to get uh, through with this and talk about the track of the week um, so powerlifting and power ballads, the power ballads part of this podcast is talking about the track number six in Josh's epic CD that he made, which is from Slaughter, Fly to the Angels. It's kind of a little sleeper song.
0: It is. It's underrated, but not in my book.
1: <laughs> I mean, Obviously.
0: Yep. So anyway, all right, we got that out of the way and not to uh, not to downplay Slaughter because it's a great song, but I want to make sure we get to Jeremy Hartman. So uh, a little bit about Jeremy, Uh, him and I actually, well, we actually met unofficially, didn't really know we met uh, 2002. It was my first competition. I actually competed against Jeremy by formula uh, and the son of a bitch beat me, Uh, but that's another story for another day um some more about him uh we kind of him and i kind of once we we were in college we started kind of we both went to college to in in ohio so we started kind of training together and helping each other out at meets and stuff like that and then i think it was a few years later that we realized that that we actually competed against each other in my first meet so that was kind of cool uh but a little bit more about jeremy uh he's a seven-time usa powerlifting national champion uh he's been a multi-time competitor at the Arnold Sports Festival in the pro deadlift. Uh he's a bronze medalist at the IPF Junior Worlds. Uh he placed 4th at the IPF Open Worlds in 2008 and during that competition he got the bronze medal in the bench press, bench in 523 and he had the gold medal in the deadlift, uh, pulling 782. And uh to me the biggest um again this is an opinion here the my, the, my biggest uh star for his resume is actually the seventh place at the world games in 2009. Um, for those of you that don't really know what the world games are, they're basically the Olympics of powerlifting. It's every four years. And just to even make the team to get to the world games, you have to have competed at the IPF world championship world championships, um, essentially. So, um, hell of a resume. And, uh, the, the iron, the ironic thing, I can't say irony. Um, I, and maybe, maybe you guys will disagree. Maybe you'll be offended by this. But I actually would consider Jeremy a better coach than he was a lifter. Um, so if you look at, if you look at the, the resume of what he's done as a lifter, it's pretty damn impressive. So uh, take it for what it's worth. Uh, that's, that's my opinion.
1: I think that's a pretty good opinion, actually, because uh, every time I've seen Jeremy working with his girls at national meets, I'm just so impressed with uh, what they are able to do. It's really awesome to watch.
0: Yeah. So uh, we'll let Jeremy do some talking here. So we actually had a question. Um, this was before we announced the guest, this is a general question, but I think it, uh, it would be a good one for Jeremy to answer as well. So the question came in, how do you stay motivated in training when there's no competition in sight?
2: Well, I, I take a little bit of a different approach to that. So, um, you know, when you don't have a training, especially during now with, with the way meets are, but even in general, if you want to call it an off-season, I mean, I think we're always trying to get stronger year-round, regardless in different forms. But uh, motivation is different challenges right now. So, um, you know, what I'm doing right now is I have my girls who are national champions, you know, on the, on the IPF world teams. We're doing a lot of strongman training. I'm getting them different strength challenges right now, some stuff a little out of the normal still doing squat bench and deadlift, but we're doing a lot of variations. You know, we're doing... um Low box squats, we're doing some different barbell training, kind uh, resistance, we're adding bands and chains to what they're doing, which I normally don't do a lot of in their off seasons. Um, a lot of farmer's walks, tires work, sled work, bringing up a lot of general physical preparation, GPP work, uh, a lot of conditioning. Uh, next thing is some single leg stuff. You know, we're doing a lot of lunges, uh, Bulgarian split squats. And what I'm doing is I'm getting them different challenges every single week. And with challenges stuff we normally don't get a chance to do Or stuff they're not very good at and we build upon those every single week so it's challenging them on there we're still making sure that our classical lifts are still making improvements whether it's through reps you know periodically kind of near testing the one rep max but more maybe getting that 90 percent range and hitting some solid numbers in there because i think you can only compete at a high level for a certain amount of time when you're peaking for a meet Um, it's just really bringing different strength challenges to them um, giving them different options keeping them athletic which is very important for a lifter for long term and then just making sure that we're making continual improvements and strength year round.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I think not having a competition site kind of gives you the opportunity to work on the little things mm-hmm. as well. The weaknesses, the things you wouldn't normally maybe have time to do and correct. This is the time to do that. Um, and really there's never a bad time to get strong. You know, I don't care that there isn't any competitions coming in. Just keep getting stronger. That's what it's about. Yep.
0: Yep. And and I think uh, this is kind of moving into a question I had for you, Jeremy, is one of your slogans, well, I guess your your main slogan is attitude is everything. Um, Something that you kind of put on all your shirts and, and everything. And I guess my experience has been the longer I do this, the more that rings true um so do you have any I guess input onto that and I think that even ties in with you know how to stay motivated and things like that it's a lot of its perspective and and what you what you put value on so what are your thoughts on on that
2: yeah absolutely Josh I mean I agree with everything you just said um Laura had some good points too just about training the offseason but the attitude is everything it I think it comes from a college and a high school strength coach as well and having different athletes and different groups and Training hundreds of kids that I get involved um, during the normal school day because I, I do the PE classes, which are the strength training classes, and we're getting a variety of athletes. And these young kids come in, and it's their it dictates everything. Whether they're, you know, excited about training, they're not excited about training. Whether it takes them time to develop the excitement, time to, you know, realize how important this is to develop their sport. And it's the same thing goes with our lifting. I mean, it just dictates everything. And, and you always hear it with uh, coaches. You know, this kid's attitude. Oh man, if this kid just improved their attitude and you know, just be focused like this every single day with their lifting. And it just carried over to my, my competitive lifters. It's the same thing. Like, man, when we come with a good attitude, like, Hey, we got a meet coming up or, Hey, you know what? We didn't get, you know, our our PR for the day. You know, we broke it back down. We fixed a couple different things. You know, it's just keeping that positive mindset all the time. And that's something that's very hard to do because in powerlifting, you're going to have setbacks. You're going to have little, small injuries come up. You're going to have things that do not go right. Sometimes you're going to peak before the end of a training cycle and you got to figure out what to do. Uh, Sometimes meet, You you know, you can miss a second attempt and you got to come back and hit it on your third. Or Josh could be like Dave Ricks that you and I had to coach when he got. In- <laughs> and he misses his first two lifts and you and I are back there getting his attitude straight. And he comes out, wins the meet, gets inducted to the Hall of Fame and sets a world record in the process of doing it. So I, I think attitude is everything all around. And I see it from the young kids, all the world champions that, you know, I've gotten a chance to coach and be a part of.
0: And I I was, it's funny you mentioned Dave Ricks. I was just talking about that to somebody yesterday. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember or not, but we actually had to go up on his third deadlift after he missed it twice. Yep. Um, And he didn't didn't miss it like barely the first two times. It wasn't really even close. And then, you know, I remember uh, you and I went in the back and said, Dave, basically here's the situation. We can repeat or we can go up for the win. What do you want to do? And his eyes got real big. He's like, go for the win and then he went out and pulled it so yeah I think just and we were that came up in our discussion just talking about mentality and how to you know how to always I guess put yourself in a situation mentally to succeed and you know if you think about that nobody in their right mind uh, would go up on their third deadlift after missing twice but Dave's except dave situ- except dave Ricks. except
2: dave <laughs> Rex. yeah
0: but but uh, that but to me that's just kind of a testament to his confidence like because if it was me i'd be like uh no like I, there's no way like i know i'm not going to get it if we go up but dave like had doing it for years just he was so confident and knew what he could do and it almost seemed like that was just the that was just the catalyst for him to kind of huh. flip that switch a little bit it was almost like he was just in cruise control through the first two deadlifts until something actually really mattered. Like, you know, not bombing out wasn't his motivation. It was going for the win, you know?
1: (laughs) Maybe he was, maybe he was kind of on a, you know, autopilot. And then when that came up, you know, it it would also be like if you approach the bar saying, Oh man, I'm not going to make it. Well, guess what? You're probably going to be right. I mean, I I can't, I don't think there's any time I've ever walked up to the bar and said, ah, I'm probably not going to do this. That I was wrong. You know, I think attitude has to be right the moment you you are there. You have to be in the moment, and I think that's it's more. It's not just attitude is everything, you know, in lifting. It's attitude is everything in life. I mean, it's kind of a attitude is
0: everything in everything. (laughs) There you go.
1: It's all, but and it's and it's not like attitude later. It's not about something that's going to happen later. It's what's going on right now. What can you control right now? Where what do you have to work on right now? What are you gonna do about that lift you just missed? What are you gonna do? You're gonna nope. sit and cry and focus on that or are you gonna go back and get it? No. Yeah. You know?
2: And Dave's one of the best examples because there, there's a, there's a missing power lift and there's Rick's miss and we've sit there and sit pull him off the ground in, in Sherman's gym and then he'll still go up the next set and something he had trouble with for a single, he'll hit for a double or triple with more weight on.
1: That's why they call him Superman.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, Josh, since we're on the podcast, I think one big thing about that is, you know, we won the open national title. Um, one thing when it was you, Sherman, James were all in the corner. And, you know, we had second place locked up. And all, all you guys remember you coming up and saying, hey, we're going to skip your second attempt. And it was almost like the Dave Rick situation. You said, hey, we're, we're going to put all in the line on your third attempt. And I had a little bit of a, a back injury going into that meet. And it wasn't affecting me, but it was still there a little bit. And you said, it, it, what, what'd you come here for? You know, we're going to take second or third or we're going to take first. We've got to put all on the line. And, you know, Nick Taluki at the time, he had pulled a weight, you know, which you guys are, tried to argue with because he uh, he got the down command as it was slipping from his hands. But, you know, it was no big deal for me. I'd never been in that situation. Never in my life had I skipped a temp. And, Josh, you and me love to deadlift. I mean, that's our favorite thing of all time. And. When you guys came up and said, here's what we're going to do, it was no big deal. You know, I put my headphones on, push play on your CD player, Josh. <laughs> that you borrowed? That I borrowed, yes, amongst other things. But no, it was it was the best decision. You guys came up and said, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we came to do. We don't think we need to do this. This is going to drain your energy. You already had a small injury. We're putting it all on the line, the third one. And I remember it didn't even phase me because I trusted you. I trusted the people that were in my corner. And, you know, we went out. We tied on the national title. I won because I was two pounds lighter. And, Josh, I set up the IPF worlds that I did and set up world games, but had you guys not done that, and had I not had the attitude that day, we would have never pull that, and the rest of my resume would have been junk.
0: Yeah, and, and that, you know, speaking of that situation, that was just kind of one of those things like, you know, being able to trust your lifter and being able to trust your handler, I think was a big part of that, because, you know, there's a lot of lifters that I don't think would be able to do that because they have to take that stepping stone to get to the, to the weight. But, you know, the fact that you had a little bit of a back injury, you know, to me, it's like, well, if I tell you it's for the win, I don't care if you warmed up even like you'd go out and pull it. So yeah. that was just, that was one of those situations where it made sense to, to pass a second attempt wait, to see what, you know, the other lifter did and what we needed to win and put it on and the rest is on you. So. Yeah.
2: And we actually, Josh, I don't know being a two and a half kilo PR too on top of all that. Yeah. I mean, I'd be 755 and I weighed 218 and that was for the, it was, it was for everything, man. It was for the win. There was no ifs, ands or buts about it. So not only that, we had a two and a half kilo PR, something I never pulled. I didn't care what weight it was when you guys did it. And I saw the confidence in your eyes. It was just a split second. Boom. Let's do this. Then didn't even, didn't even have a second thought about it.
0: Yeah. And some people would argue, cause I, I believe, do you remember what you opened with? I don't have it in front of me, but I know it was at least a hundred pound jump. <laughs> I, I yeah, wanted, it was it was
2: upper. We, we started in the upper sixes, Josh, and then we went to 755. That yeah. yeah, I was almost 100 pounds. Yeah,
0: I want I, I want to say you you opened at, at either 650 or 655, yeah, and then we and then we jumped to, to 755. Yep. Um, yep. But, but was, again, there was there was no. I mean, obviously, if I had doubt, we wouldn't have you know we wouldn't have done that. But I'm like, oh, this is game over. So. Yeah.
2: Now we already had the placing locked up. I was already going to make the award stamps. What well, what was the difference here?
0: Right. Yeah. You go for it at that point.
2: Yep. Absolutely. So,
0: So uh, let's kind of segue into, I guess, the the current state of powerlifting a little bit and some of, you know, obviously you and I both, you know, we both coach athletes and we both do a little bit of online coaching as well. Mm -hmm. Um, There are a lot of online coaches and by a lot, I mean a lot. Uh, What are your, I guess, what are your, first of all, let's start with this. What do you classify as a, as a competent qualified coach? What do, do you put stock in?
2: Uh, longevity. You know, They, they got to have some, some stuff that they've been doing for a while. They got to have a good background. You know, I want to know who I'm dealing with. What, what, have, what have they done? They have to have accomplished something. If they're going to train me to a level and bring me up, they, they just have to have something. I'm not saying you got to be national world, and all this other stuff, but it's like when you're talking to people and you're trying to bring them up to the national scene and you're talking about, it, you got to have some relative experience with it. So I think having the own personal background with it. I think the second thing is also who have you developed? You know, I always look for a coach. Now, who do you coach? You know, Josh, you and I have sat in Dave Ricks' corner. I've sat in Dennis Cornelius and Ray Williams. I helped him out at your meet. When people ask me, I specifically say I did not coach him. I helped him at that meet. That's the easiest thing in the world to do. And that's what drives me nuts sometimes when people are just game day coaches or something. But I I think you got to, what, what have you developed? Who have you taken and really developed along the way over, over years. You know, you've done a great job with your lifters. Lara one a good example all the way through from her fitness competition days to making her be on the world scene and the stuff that she was able to do, especially in gear too. So, like, you know, it's, it was, it's just, you always look for the people. So what is their background? What have they personally done, their experiences? And then I look for, what have they developed? Who, who have they actually brought up? Like, hey, I've been working with this person for years. Here's where we started from. And now look what they're at with everything. And that comes with it and, and the online coaching it's just so who's more popular right now the instagram stuff drives me nuts you know when i see all this stuff and, and people ask me about it and i'm like well who who is that coach what have they done and everything else and a lot of these coaches josh it's you know get my spreadsheet you know follow along over here it's it's a program one download just pay this amount or you know we have some free programs and people come to me when they've done certain things and oh, i was benching four times a week it was great but now my shoulders are wrecked for the last how many months or you know, I did this high volume squat, it it took off, but now I can't squat or deadlift because my hips and my knees are shot. It's just because they got it from a coach who, you know, program and, you know, had no experience with it. So it's just, it's it's looking at those factors and really doing your research about your coach and and talking to them and decide to be the best one. But those are the key factors that I look for.
0: Yeah. And I know that's, that's both of our, so we have a little segment that we do called Josh's pet peeves. I think we skipped the last couple of weeks, but that's, that's definitely up there is, is I guess the online coaching as a whole to a degree, but mostly the people that are, you know, they, they help a lifter or a lifter, you know, they, they do one cycle. For example, like you mentioned Ray Williams and Dennis, like if Ray came to me and and said, Hey, you know, what, will, will you coach me or will you help me at this meet? Yeah. Yeah. I'll help him. But that does, like you said, I'm not Ray's coach. I didn't develop Ray. Like, so for me to take credit of that is bullshit and people do that. And if, if, it's, if you're one of those people, you're a bullshit coach. And I said it and I don't take it back. There. <laughs> there.
1: Yeah. Well, I also don't think there's a one size fits all approach to any lifter. I don't think there's any two lifters that are the same that need the exact same thing. You know, so to follow someone's generic online coaching program, you know, can you get stronger if you're a beginner following a program like that? I, yeah, I guess, but at a certain point, you're going to need something that you need that nobody else needs.
0: And I think, you know, that Jeremy, we've had this conversation too, but that, that is, that kind of is the difference in what we define as coaching and what other people define as coaching. Like coaching is a lot more than, here, do this workout, see you in six weeks. Yeah. You know, it's 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 the day-to-day. It's the t- checking in to see, you know, going back to that attitude is everything. I mean, what kind of day are you having? Like, you know, are you having finals this week in college and stressed out? That, that makes a difference in how, how your how training is going to be. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I don't, I I'm, really, I'm really yeah. pissed off right now. I don't know why. I'm getting <laughs> –
2: no, it's because you and I sit there, Josh, when, when people send us stuff or, you know, we get their videos and you see like, you know, the Instagram coaches will tag me in your video and they might leave great job or something. like You and I are dissecting like, well, we can do this better. Well, if this is bothering you, let's switch up your stance a little bit for right now, or, Hey, I'm seeing this weakness. Let's, let's run this for a training cycle for a little bit. You know, every week I'm sitting, down. it's not like I just on you know, a spreadsheet for four weeks. Like you said, no, oh, you know, here you go, follow this and, you know, tag me in a couple posts. No, it's, it's, I try to make it as much personal training as it can be. I try to make it, Live coaching, like you've got your video set up. My people post their videos all the time. I'm looking at, especially when it comes to meets. I tell my people, you better be bothering me if I don't get touch basically almost every single workout that you're doing and how your weights going. Like this isn't going to work out. Like I'm all in, I'm all in. Like you're my athlete. You're representing me. Most importantly, I want to see you do well. So I make this as much interactive as, as it's possibly going to be with this distance and online coaching.
0: Yeah, and and you know I've I've seen too. I think some people just you know, you mentioned the good job and stuff like that. I think there's a certain level of incompetence that a lot of coaches have and they don't know how to fix something. So they just say, good job, or, you know, you're doing good or, you know, or give them some arbitrary thing that they heard, like push on your belt. Like they hear other coaches say it. So it must be right. Well, if you know what's actually happening, like all of these cues are meant to get a certain response from an athlete. They're not just arbitrarily thrown out to everybody. So, you know, again, I'm going to get off this, this rant here, but I just think that, I just think that a lot of, a lot of people don't know, don't really know what to look for in a coach. So, you know, whoever's the most popular on social media unfortunately, is getting, is getting all of the attention right now. And, and, you know, I, it, here's a side side note. I had a I had somebody comment on uh, one of our posts about a year ago, um, basically saying, "Well, you you know, how how can you be a coach? You don't you haven't even competed, and um, you know what do you even lift?" Um, and this is somebody that basically started competing three years ago, and I'm like, "Well, you know, I didn't respond, but I'm in my mind, I'm like." You know, I've I've not lifted in the last three years, but I've 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 won more national titles than number of years you've been competing. So, you know, that's that's what I'm thinking in my head, and people just don't know because you know we Jeremy, you and I started prior to all the social media stuff. So, you know, you know I yeah I'm not going to speak for you, but I'm going to say on on my half like I'm not good at it. So, you know, there are there are way more coaches out there that I can I can write down on a piece of paper that I know are great coaches that nobody's heard of because yep. they're not, they're not on social media. Yep. So, so I guess, I guess the point of this rant is don't base everything off of social media and I'll stop, I'll stop talking now.
2: Yeah.
1: As the church no,
2: bells I, ring. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's mine over there with everything. You can hear it good. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, but I, I agree with that, Josh. Like you can't say nothing about it. And you know, we don't do as great a job. We don't have the best websites and everything else because we're too busy coaching, you right. know, asking that all the time. It's like, oh, yeah, or this or that. It's like, I, I've been in the gym all day, you know, especially if I'm strength coaching, I got, you know, hundreds of athletes, plus my competitive lifters with everything going on. It's, you know, I, and I just, I guess I take more pride in my coaching. The people that are around me success kind of shows for with everything that's available.
0: Yeah. And we, we've, I mean, you know, off, off air, we've talked before and we've both said that, you know, we could do things differently and make a lot more money, but we would not be doing as good of a job coaching. And, and both of us, I think that, at least me, that bothers me. Like I, I'm not willing to go that route and, and not not actually be as good of a coach. So I say that now, maybe in ten years. But um so uh this is a little bit of an arbitrary question here, but just for the listeners I guess, what are what are some of your favorite assistance movements, Jeremy, for squat bench and deadlift?
2: Oh, well, you know what? I'm, I'm a big person on all the assistance work. So you name it, I, I do it. But some of my ones for squats are pause squats on there. I think pause squats are great. They, they really teach you bottom position, which is whether it's your geared or raw. That's the number one thing. If you can come out of the hole with good form, I mean, that's amazing. So I think I like a lot of pause squats. Um, and I like a lot of variations. When variations, I like them close to the competition lift. So I like higher bar, close stance squats. Um, those have been always very beneficial. Uh, the pause I've done very low box squats. I've gotten a lot of good form out of those, especially in translation to our deadlifts. Uh, When it comes to bench press, tricep work. I like a lot of close grip stuff. Close grip benching really transfers into wide grip, where a lot of people who do very wide grip stuff don't get a lot of their close grip. So you got a longer range of motion. It really hits the triceps more than anything else, because you can sit there and do push downs all day you want, and kickbacks, and and, and some bodybuilding stuff, which is great, you know, to add mass. But if you're talking about some serious strength, uh, close grip work on there is, is great, um, board presses, I like too. uh, closer grips on that stuff. I think it's easier on, on the shoulders and stuff over time. Uh, deadlifts, Josh, this is, this is something we get a lot of pride in because you name it, we do it for deadlifts. I love a lot of glute hamstring raises. I think when we're activating the hips and the hamstrings are phenomenal. Uh, the lower back too. reverse hypers. I do a lot of good mornings. I got more out of good mornings very heavy. Like when I was pulling close to 800 I was doing about 545 for a set of three on good mornings. Now, I would stop that, obviously, as I got closer to a meet, but I think building the backside up, it tremendous. that really, really helped the tone because that was a weakness that I needed to really bring up. So good mornings were great for me and rows, Josh. We do some type of row, pull-ups, back work almost every single day that we're, we're lifting. So and anything. I, I like the rows better, chest-supported because the lower back doesn't give out as much. Uh, cable rows are fine, too. But any, anything where we're pulling back because lifters are always constantly pulling forward. Uh, my athletes as well that I deal with, too. A lot of everything is in front of you. So. As much stuff as we can to keep pulling back building up the traps building up all the assistance work so squats high bar close stance uh pause squats benches a lot of close grip tricep work and deadlifts so a lot of a lot of rows a lot of back work a lot of good mornings glued ham raises and we build the crap out of those in our off season
0: yeah yeah and i think you know i agree there's a lot of there's a lot more to it than squat bench and deadlift and you know you can you can get strong fairly quick just doing those main three, but guess what comes with that is injuries over time if you're not, you know, developing strength overall. So, uh, so what do you what are your thoughts on on belt squats? I think I, I don't think they're very good. What do you think?
2: Well, Josh, since you said that, um, I'll tell you why. The reason I like them is because uh, Shelby Miles, uh, one of my lifts. Uh, IPF world champion, the deadlift, IPF world bench press champion, and, and second in the world all around. Uh, one thing with her that I had to deal with is she had some back injury stuff that she had, uh, just a genetic deform that her parents, her, has, her brother has, and that she's had. It's something that we've always had to work around for quite some time. So we're dealing with uh, a lot of belt squats, trying to take the pressure off, trying to decompress her spine, and I hate them all because they all pull in a nonlinear fashion. It was actually hurting her back more than anything. So I got upset about it and I tried the cable ones. I've tried the other ones that are famous out there. We don't need to name names and all that stuff, but we did all that. And then, so I developed a linear one because I got, and my old uh, wrestling coach got me into lifting. He had me, um, he was a metal fabricator and I always wanted to work on something. So I said, you know what, I, I got pissed at it and I wanted to help my sister And this was Shelby getting ready for the world championships uh, just in Sweden two years ago. So we went ahead and we started working on a belt squat and we got a prototype out and it was pulling her in a linear path and holy cow, she could squat. It was making her back feel better. And about four or five weeks on that thing and holy cow, like she was feeling a lot better in addition than everything else that she was doing. So we started taking off on that and then, you know, I've been working on developing a a belt squat that's more linear, like I said, and we've got a patent on it that we're working on right now. So I wasn't a huge fan of it before. Uh, It just pulls you forward too much on your toes. It it wasn't doing real well. And the fact that it hurt my lifter when all they claim is spinal decompression and pelvis alignment and everything else. So I got pissed and decided to make my own and man, after three or four weeks, it really cured hers. And she was able to squat and keep her leg strength up. I just had her build her back strength up and lo and behold, we only had five where she hadn't lifted more than 225 on her back. And she went out there and took second in the world and was right along with all her old PRs.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, that's awesome. So uh, I, I'm sure you can't, you don't have details yet, but when that is available to the public, uh, we'll, we'll definitely announce it on here.
2: I'll be, I'll be bringing it down in a truck to Atlanta. So I'll try it out. and Awesome. Cause if there's, if there's one person who'll tell me how it is and won't, hold back it's
0: you josh that's true i'm not gonna bullshit you hey it might be easier for me just to come up there instead of you bringing the machine down here
2: yeah we'll see
0: either way we'll figure that out trailer yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's funny uh so laura's got a a fun story she's gonna tell
1: Uh Uh so the uh the how uncle jeremy got to be uncle jeremy right really um I, i know that was dan my Yep. My husband, for any listener who doesn't know, Dan. Stern. Stan. Yes. So, how did Dan get to be Stan? <laughs> Is really the story. So, um, I had gone down to I think it was um, Baton Rouge for women's nationals uh, with Dan and Jeremy was there, and um, you know I saw Jeremy and said, "Hey, Jeremy." He said, "Hey, Laura, how you doing?" And he he, um, he texted Josh and said, "Hey." Lara's here, what's her husband's name again? <laughs> and Josh, being the prankster that he is, says Stan instead of Dan. <laughs> and then he texts me and tells me that he did that. So I told Dan and started calling him Stan as well. And all weekend, pretty much, um, until the very end of the weekend, I think we, we called Dan Stan. And then finally led on to Jeremy that Dan's name is actually Dan, not Stan. And, uh, yeah, I think you still call him Stan, though.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think, oh, yeah. Every, I think everybody still calls him Stan. It kind of Yep. It's the joke that keeps on giving.
1: Yep, yeah. and he came up with Uncle Jeremy. I'm not really sure why you're Uncle Jeremy since you're actually younger than us, but uh, there you go. Yeah. That I think it was
2: that one day, like, because uh, Josh came up to me one time when he visited me in Indianapolis, and he was coaching some of my lifters. I told him to. I said, I told my lifters, go get a perspective like what i said yeah listen to what he says it's a different coach putting different eyes on you and then i'd come down previously before and josh we, we know that. there's no ego about this because it's like hey i got a great coach in here put his eyes just like i came down and worked with you as a bench day. you got a shirt Josh, like you take her he goes you she already knows what i need to do and you know so i jumped in and i think we kind of worked on that with you that one day and then stan ended up jumping in. he goes hey can you take a look at my bench too i think that's where the uncle jeremy kind of came out it's like uncle jeremy's helping us uh, yay!
1: But, <laughs> yeah. but it was good
2: because I don't, I don't have an ego like when i said when josh came up that weekend i had him look at all my kids and you know i've been down to visit you the same thing and laura you're the same you're asking for help just mm-hmm. like putting a shirt on i would ask you guys for what do you think and what you're helping and everything and we all got better both times that we were coaching each other's athletes got a new perspective um thing on that and i loved how stan ended up jumping in and asked me about his and And there was no big deal you know, other coaches would be offended. No, don't talk to my left or you can listen to him. Josh and I don't have that problem because we know each other's background. We're confident in all that. And in the end, it's going to benefit us and our athletes.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And,
0: and, uh, you know, I can honestly say too, like as, as a coach, you have to be continually learning because, you know, that's one thing with you, Jeremy is like anybody you talk to, they're like, Oh man, like he was asking me all these questions and like, you know, we talked for like an hour about different training things. Well, you know, you know, even if in that hour, you just learn one little tiny nugget, like that's something to add to your, to your, you know, knowledge base. And I think so many coaches get so content with what they, what they think they know or what they, you know, what they know that they stop learning. And, you know, if you're not learning, you're going backwards. Like, you know there's always there's always somebody out there that has a different perspective there's always somebody that has you know knows this differently or has a different experience and you know if you're not exposing yourself to that and being willing to genuinely learn from that i think you're you're doing yourself and your clients a disservice
2: yeah absolutely josh give you an example i was just working with somebody lately and all their coach ever said to them when they were doing sumo deadlifts and they were having problems with those keep loading your hips you're not loading your hips better and this had gone on for they were paying this person for over a year and they really going anywhere and so finally it came come to me and I'm like you I was like well first of all you tell your coach number one before we work together that you're going to work with me and if I need to call them because I don't do this behind anybody else's back I said That's something you and I Josh agree on with everything somebody comes to us and you've been working with them well you talk it over with them first and you make sure it's good and if I need to as well but lifter had been said the same thing told the same thing it was not clicking it's like why are you giving the same cues over and over again I gave them like three or four different things. They didn't end up pulling a PR, but they ended up pulling a lot better. Their backs and killing them at the end. And they finally understood what loading your hips was and putting all the pressure on it rather than someone saying the same cue over and over again. Because like you said, you're not expanding. It's not working with your athlete. Ask around. Find a different way. You know, send another coach a video. Hey, what do you think I should do about this person? I've done that with all my athletes to get ideas before. It's, it's a big deal for me, and, and I enjoy it.
0: Yeah, and, and all cues really are is just getting getting the athlete to make a mind-body connection and understand how to do something. So saying the correct thing is, to me, is in a way bullshit. It's just saying the thing that gets them to do what you want. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you say, hey, look at the purple butterflies, if that makes them like, you know, I'm just making up random stuff now, but then then that's the best <laughs> cue for them. Right, so, if it works. Yeah, if, if it, it works. works and that's, you know, that's that's the, I think, that's where coaching comes in is being able to effectively communicate with your athlete and get them to understand what you're trying to get them to do. Yeah. So loading your hips. Yeah. That's the correct cue for us. We understand what that means, but somebody that has no clue what that means is doing nothing for them except frustrating them and making them conscious, self-conscious about, You know, they're obviously not loading their hips if you keep saying it, but I don't know what that means. So I'm just getting frustrated. And, and, you know, I'll be honest and, you know, I've obviously made that mistake and I think we probably all have at some point, but, you know, I think a lot of it, you know, I'll use an example. One of the, one of the girls I coach, um, I won't give any more detail. I don't want to put her on the spot, but Laura. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but we were, We were, um, you know, training for the Arnold and, you know, one of my cues and one of everybody's cues is, is, and I think why I used this one earlier is, is brace against your belt, push against your belt, because it's so commonly used that a lot of times I just take for granted that people know what I mean by that. Well, she was obviously a very high level lifter, you know, lifted at the Arnold nationals, everything. And we were training for about, you know, eight months getting ready for this meet. And one day she's in the middle of a set and I said, you know, you got to push, push on your belt harder. And she just racks the bar and starts crying. She's, and she says, I don't know what you're talking about. That doesn't make any sense to me. So I wasted eight months saying the same thing over and over, assuming she understood, even though in hindsight, looking back, like she wasn't fixing the issue when I said that. So I should have made the connection. It wasn't working. So those are just the little things like that, that, you know, I guess as, as, as I've done this longer, I've realized that I need to be more in tune and paying attention to, you know, the communication side of it, I guess. And I think that's that's a big aspect a lot of people don't, I guess, don't, don't weigh as it being important, I guess.
2: Yeah. I think, Josh, that's something that's helped me out just with my background. I've been fortunate enough when doing high school and college strength conditioning. It's like when you're dealing with athletes and you're showing the basics of everything, too. All my athletes squat bench and deadlift, you know, yeah, they do Olympic lifts and all the other stuff, but they all do those because fundamental strength exercises. And it's funny because the young kids I'm teaching them, like you said, just some of the same stuff because they don't know how to do all this stuff. It's been good for me because I keep that, you know, I don't know the best term for it. I just keep that humility down there at that level. Cause even when I'm working with bigger people, like you just said about the belt situation, one time I, like you said, it just wasn't working. I explained to my athletes. So I literally put my hand in the back of their belt and I was like, just break my fingers that when I was teaching my 14, 15 year old kids come in, when they are learning how to breathe and brace mm-hmm. and they push as a note, break them harder. And then they learn to expand all the way around. Kind of like, Oh, okay. Now I understand how to
0: tighten up against the belt. Yeah. What, what page of the textbook was that in? Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So if, it, yeah. and that's, I think that's the, that's the issue with, you know, a lot of, a lot of book smart coaches is they don't know how to apply what they know. You yeah. know, like, like, like what you just said about, you know everybody that's listening can visualize what you just did so take a take a note from that like sometimes you have to do things that are so unmistakable what you're trying to get them to do to help them learn how to do things so
2: yeah and that came from me just coaching high school kids because they didn't understand no matter right. what I didn't show and I had geez oh man there's probably 50 60 kids in a class in me one time and everybody had a belt and they all had to practice on each other so they actually understood besides sitting up there and that. And that that's something again because that's with coaching that's being around large groups of athletes that's why it's a little bit easier for me sometimes with one-on-one small groups of lifters because that's what we do you know it's like this is our full-time job regardless you know athletes lifters it doesn't matter you know you've trained them as well too
0: yep cool well uh we we try to keep these segments to about 20 minutes we're well over that we have a lot we could Continue <laughs> on with, but we're going to try to wrap it up here a little bit. But um, I guess real quick, Jeremy, where can uh, where can everybody find you on I guess website, social media, all those good things. How can they get in touch with you?
2: Okay, well, you can look up old stuff uh, from Josh Roar stuff, and you'll probably find pictures of me helping him out in Atlanta. He has
0: he his has his he has hair back then.
2: Yes, yes, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: No, just search anything on Instagram, Hartman Performance, um, thing, Facebook, Hartman Performance, Twitter. Just look up me Hartman Hartman performance training and and my information will pop up for you. So if anybody has any questions, you know, Josh, you and I answer questions all the time. Anybody who's ever asked me, called me, emailed me, you know, whether it's, you know, just a couple different questions. I'm not one of those coaches. Well, you got to program this. No, I'll I'll always answer somebody's. I'll I'll spend time on the phone because you and I were very fortunate to have people all along our lives do that for us. You know, or the whole, you know, coaching, yeah, we make our living with this. But I, I, anybody who DMs me, anything like that, can you take a look at this real quick? You know, I don't mind doing that for anybody, anytime, you know, just, just helping people out because some people, hey, I just want to know about this or, hey, this isn't working. So hit me up on any of those, look me up, any questions at all. I'm more than happy to help anybody out.
0: Yep, that's awesome. Well, uh, we appreciate you being on, Jeremy. I'm sure we'll have you back at some point here. Uh, we, we need have, to. We have more to talk about, but uh, cool. I uh, appreciate it. And I guess we're going to sign off on that note. And we'll see you guys next time. All right. All right. Thanks so Bye much. Bye now. Bye now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for
1: listening. If you enjoyed today's episode of the Powerlifting and Power Ballads podcast, please remember to subscribe and share it with your friends.